Hello, welcome back to Can I Borrow Your Mind? It's been a minute. It's been a little while since I've recorded an episode or since I've put out an episode for you all to hear. I'm sorry that I had a break. I, I took a break before, just before Christmas and I fully intended on coming back like early on in January and then I just got swamped with all this stuff that I wanted to do and that I needed to do and it was just it was just too hard I, I'm sorry that the podcast slipped from my list of priorities um but I'm back now and I'm really appreciative that you've come back to listen to this or if it's your first time listening if it is your first time listening to this podcast I recommend that you go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes there's some really great ones on there go back if there's anyone that you think sounds cool listen to them chat I feel like all the conversations in this podcast so far have been really interesting to me. So if you like me, if you're exactly like me, you will find them equally as interesting as I found them, which is very interesting. So look forward to that. Um, this is a great episode. I, I, well, I won't tell you who the guest is yet. Oh, you've already read it because you've clicked on the podcast, but I'll talk about the guest in a second. Before I talk about the guest, I'm doing shows at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, which starts tomorrow night. Um, my show starts at eight o'clock tomorrow night at the Greek Center. It's called Lewis Garnham, The Worst Train I've Ever Built. And it's all about childhood and growing up. I'm very proud of this show. I did this show or a version of this show last year at the Adelaide Fringe. I was ready to do it in Melbourne. Then it got cancelled. I was very sad. And now I'm, I've sort of had a year to work on it. Um, and I've changed it a bit. A lot of the crux of the show is the same as how I had it before. But I've updated it and, and now I'm even more happy with it than I was last year. So I don't know, maybe that's a silver lining of COVID. Not really, because I really wanted to do it last year. The point is I get to do it now. And what a thrill, what an amazing thing that I can perform in front of an audience in these times. Like that is, I feel really privileged. Um, I guess the caveat of that is that there needs to be an audience for that to happen. So come to the show <laughs> Come to the show. Um, I'm going to give a little offer for my podcast listeners because you guys are really cool, even though I haven't met you. Uh, maybe you're really bad people, but I don't think so. I think I'd like all of you. I think if we had a chat, I'd be like, ah, you're cool. Here's the offer. If you go to the Melbourne Comedy Festival page um, and you put in the promo code PODCAST, all capital letters, PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, you can get two-for-one tickets, I think just for certain nights. I think it's just Wednesday and Thursday, or maybe Tuesday, something like that. Um, and there is a cap on them. So yeah, you, it's not like unlimited, but it's pretty cool. Two for one ticket. Like that's a really good deal. Two for one tickets. That's I'm not offering that deal to anyone else. Um, so yeah, enjoy that. And I'll see you at the show. I'm running every night, 8 p.m., 7 p.m. on Sundays. No Mondays. That's my day off. Don't even don't even try to come to the show that night. I mean, you can try, but it, there'll be no one there. The, the venue might be closed. Anyway, this week's guest is... Uh, I'm really excited about this week's guest. I, I really wanted to get this guy on for a long time because I, I really like his art and his comedy and particularly like some of his TV shows and sketches that he's created. But I also really like him as a person. He's a great guy and I knew that he would be really lovely to talk to and, and really engaging and interesting to talk to and he was exactly that my guest this week is Nazim Hussain um I'll, I'll tell you a few things that Nazim's done because he's done some pretty crazy stuff to be honest I was reading a bio of him before like you probably know him from Legally Brown that was a tv show that he wrote and starred in co-wrote and starred in um as a sketch show that like broke ground in Australian tv really like if you haven't seen that show I don't know if you can find it on YouTube or something but 
find a way to watch that show because it's it's brilliant that's where i first saw nazim he has done heaps of stand-up comedy he's got a netflix special at the moment he's opened for dave Chappelle in in um new york like that's pretty cool isn't it like he's open for you know one of the biggest comedians in the world uh he has he's won logies he's been on every radio station he's he's been asked to perform at the montreal just for laughs festival as part of kevin hart's lol network i don't really know what that means but i think that means that kevin hart saw him and was like i want you to be part of this thing which is huge he won the best newcomer award at the melbourne international comedy festival years ago he's been twice nominated for the helpman award for best comedy performer at the comedy festival um he's you know sold out huge theaters all around the country he's a pretty big deal he's been on i'm a celebrity get me out of here the weekly with charlie pickering the project q a uh he's you know he's argued with malcolm turnbull on q a we talk about that in the podcast he he's, he's got his own podcast fuck he's done a lot of shit his own podcast burn your passport won the itunes best comedy podcast of 2016 that's pretty ridiculous isn't it that's a huge award like there's a lot of podcasts in the world he won the best comedy podcast award um and it's in the 20 most listened to podcasts in australia which is crazy he's um he's got a new thing on audible original a podcast called rogue son and in these days 20 i was about to say in 2021 it is in it is 2021 now he's on um tv very regularly on dave hughes's show hughesy we have a problem you can see him feature on that he's on every episode and uh yeah i think he's he's doing a new thing on the abc called the pineapple project which i'm sure will be amazing he's a great guest i am not going to talk to you for any longer i've these intros always go for too long (laughs) Um, thanks heaps. Uh, I've got, uh, yeah, there's a, f- there's a few things I'll talk to you about in the, in the, over the next few podcasts. I've got some exciting new projects that I'm keen to share with you, but for now I'm back. I'm back on, can I borrow your mind? <laughs> I hope that you enjoy this podcast and I hope you enjoy all the subsequent ones that are to follow. I, uh, yeah, I'm really keen to get back into it. So I'll be releasing episodes regularly. I'll see you at the next one. I'll see you at the next ep, homie. <laughs> I'll cat- catch you at the next ep. For now, let's get straight into it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate that the, the music for this podcast is by a band called Silt. They're a great Melbourne band. And I'd like to say that I would also would like to say that I recorded this podcast on the lands of the Kulin Nation. And I'd like to pay my respects to the Wurundjeri people and the Bunurong people and all of their elders, past, present, and emerging. And I just want to say that sovereignty was never ceded in this country. And I also want to say. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say something a bit cringy, but I, I'm just very happy that I get to perform at Melbourne Comedy Festival tomorrow. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been weird not being able to do stand up comedy. I mean, that's that's not a problem compared to the problems that some people have faced around the world and are still facing because of the pandemic. I mean, it's absolutely nothing. But in my own little way, that has been a little thing that I've found really hard not being able to do live stand up comedy. I can't wait to be able to do it again. I hope you come to the show. Um, If not, I'll just chat to you at the next podcast. This is Can I Borrow Your Mind, episode 18 with the brilliant Nazim Hussain.
is a beautiful place to do a podcast. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Where do you do you do your podcast? Is that still um, going? The traveling one? We've uh, put it on hold for now. Right, um, yeah. But no, we just pretty much most of them at my house. Yeah. I did a yeah, so that was over Zoom. Um, we did a couple of them in the um, in James Milsom's uh, studio in the back of his. He's got a house with a um, backyard and then studios. That's sick. It's pretty good. But, um, you know, no, at the moment, I'm podcastless. So. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I could do this for <laughs> you. If you're looking to sell your podcast, uh, <laughs> I'm sure we come to a deal. <laughs> yeah, can, you, uh, can, you, can you sell podcasts? I'm actually really broke at the moment. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't think this would be worth much, to be honest. Um, I always like to start. Uh, this isn't a very original Uh-oh. idea, but I like to start by asking people about their childhood and what about their childhood they think led them to be the person they are now so Mm. i guess like you could talk about it in terms of who you are as a person or in terms of why you got into stand-up or whatever it might want to be that's a good question well well, i I don't know anything about your childhood what was it like yeah well um grew up in burwood in melbourne Mm -hmm. um so where, where did you grow up I grew up in Adelaide. Oh, okay, okay. But where about in Adelaide? Uh, like Mitcham. To be honest, I don't know who that is. I shouldn't have asked that follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone always does. Everyone's like, "Where about in Adelaide?" And I'm like, "Have you ever been to Adelaide?" And they're like, "No." <laughs> I mean, you know, like the you know, everywhere you go, people give you, you know, like the, the joke suburbs. Yeah, like right, Salisbury right, right. Salisbury and, and Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. of um, course. But yeah, no, is it near any of those? They're, they're becoming, they, they won't be, really? they'll, they'll be too gentrified to joke about really? sometime soon. I guess Shit. everywhere is. Okay, well, I, I grew up in a pretty, yeah, boring-ish, safe suburb. Um, single mum, okay, my single mum, she probably, that was probably a, a part of my childhood that definitely has been defining. Mm-hmm. Um, single Sri Lankan mum in Australia, you know, um, very strong woman who had to figure out a lot of stuff by herself. Um, three kids would work a lot of jobs, um, you know, um, especially, you know, uh, 80s, 90s, Australia, um, having to figure stuff out for yourself and being a woman expected to play particular roles and da-da-da. So she um, she had to defy a lot of that. Um, and, uh, well, yeah, it was pretty much my role model. She was just, yeah. just funny, always really funny. So we'd go through a lot of shitty stuff in life. She was just always very, like, just warm and light in her the, in her kind of demeanor. Um, but was also, if someone crossed her, she'd be like, what the fuck? Like, she would just, <laughs> she would not be scared to confront people. Tough. Yeah, she spoke her mind. And she speaks her mind at all times. She doesn't know how to not speak her mind. So, you know, people do passive-aggressive <laughs> She can't do that. She doesn't know what that is. She can she can see it. She knows when someone is being that to her, but she doesn't know how to respond in like. She's just like, are you trying to con me? And she just go at them. So that's sort of probably, I, I'll get a lot of that from her. Um, yeah. My dad does this thing where like in social situations, you know, there's just moments where like someone will say something and you just let it slide, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're, just yeah, a, yeah. you're just a human. Everyone's just like, this will fuck up the dinner party if I... <laughs> pull them up on this so I'm just not going to and he's I've never seen him let it slide he really? pulls them up every like straight time straight away straight away That's and cute. like like it's nothing like he's just like why did you say that and <laughs> like I respect him for it but at the same time it's fucking no, it's but awkward thing, oh it's awkward because like socially we're not supposed to you're supposed to just go hmm, okay and then bitch about him later yeah but um, my mum's sort of like when someone does something they should just be having a conversation someone says something that maybe is passive aggressive or maybe sarcastic but she doesn't realise it 
she'll kind of like smile and laugh along but then in her brain she's like okay I think I just got shot um, what do I do now what's my response and then she's that's all she's thinking about and then like maybe 10 minutes later the conversation's changed and she's like then you said and she'll just just uh, go, and, and they might be confused because they might have made a passing comment yeah but, yeah uh, yeah but, they've but forgotten about but it but you always know where you stand with it um, so that's what I like you know I, I and I prefer even when it comes to like people in Australia like I don't like you know I prefer like an outright like racist or someone that just tells you what they think of you straight away yep. without hesitation and they don't flower it up. Yeah. Whereas, you know, because in, in, if they change their mind, they tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't mind Asian people actually anymore. But whereas, you know, they're kind of like in a city racist where they're uh-huh. just a bit more, you know, you just can't really pinpoint it exactly. Yeah. They annoy me. But yeah. you know this. You know what they're, what they're meaning to say, but they're not saying it, so... I was at the tennis today and... I saw, but you were shitting on it in your story. The important thing is, and this is why on my Instagram story I was posting saying how much I fucking hate tennis <laughs> and I hate everything that it's about, was because yeah. I was with people of colour mm-hmm. in my group who I was with mm-hmm. and there was just something about yeah. the vibe yeah. of the rich inner city oh, yeah. white people at the tennis yeah. that was just <laughs> obviously no one said anything racist no. to the people that I was with oh. but there was just something a little bit off about the whole oh, thing they don't, people they were never say so this is the racists are smart these days most of them some people are still like living in the old days where mm. you can just say things but yeah they will just look at you weird or they'll smile or just like they'll be upset like if you stuff up in if you make a mistake socially that's an opportunity for them to be upset with you um, disproportionately. And I think that's just their expression of... But yeah, like, you know what? It's weird though because my sister really loves tennis and I'm like, but you know, it's tennis. It's a bit posh. But um, but she loves watching it. But the old school culture of tennis is this bloody, you know, you know, stuffy and... We used to go to the tennis a lot, Kuyong, because my mom used to work as a kitchen hand and we used to hang out the whole day while she was working, just watching all the games. Yeah. I used to bug all the players as they were leaving the courts, get autographs <laughs> from Pete Sampras, Michael Chang. So I, there was a period where I was super into tennis only yeah. because I used to wait for my mom <laughs> to finish work. I used to, used to go to the golf. I was really into the golf because my mum would be doing kitchen hand. Actually, first time on television, um, I don't know. My mum just let us just walk around an 18-hole golf course <laughs> while she was cleaning. But, you know, I remember, like, Greg Norman was um was was there ready to, like, tee or do the drive with yeah, the, the start yeah. of the hole, you know, the big, yeah. big swing. And I must have been, like, under 10 years old. And there's, like, the little, you know, there's a rope and everyone sort of stands behind it. And this is broadcast globally, I guess. And uh, I remember getting under there because I wanted a good look. And I was almost, like, he was about to take the shot and then he saw me real close and he actually had to ask someone to take me out of the... So I got escorted back behind the rope and then he, and then he drove. But I, I would have been on TV at that point. Fuck, that's like, so good. That's but, um, so good. Uh, Melbourne Cup. I used to go to the Melbourne Cup a lot because same deal that whole week. Uh, and then we'd get to eat the fancy chocolates in the... Um, whatever my mum was working with. I remember one time like we weren't standing where she told us to stand and then I, I, looked, I remember seeing this bunch of cops with my mom, this hijab wearing Muslim woman going there like just coming up <laughs> where the F have you been like just freaking <laughs> just like it's so weird the sorts of like places I've been because my mum worked at all these posh places so yeah. I had a keen interest in racing <laughs> tennis and golf, and golf. <laughs> it's so weird it's so, it's so weird <laughs> oh my god uh, that's funny yeah and the other thing like with you going up to Greg Norman um, 
the shack. That yeah, the shack. <laughs> like yeah, maybe like going up real close to him when he's about to drive. Maybe that's not good. But I hate how in both those sports, tennis and golf, they're so fucking precious about noise and stuff. Oh. It's like if you can't hit the drive when someone's oh, coughing no. behind you, then you're not fucking good enough. Like also, bad luck. Uh, golf courses are often near main roads. So yeah. I don't know how they do golf normally. Yeah, yeah, totally. The yeah. Horn and- people yelling and it's it's just this superiority yeah. thing they're like this is my time you yeah. should be quiet no, while i'm hitting the ball no, like, we don't care yeah you, you exist as a player because you're getting money from sponsors because we're, we're interested in the sport yeah we exactly don't, you don't exactly exist you should be happy that there's Piece a crowd yeah, there exactly. watching yeah. know your place yeah <laughs> you know you're you're dancing for us yeah <laughs> <freaking> <laughs> um let's talk about um the the racist people again <laughs> because I feel like I have no idea, but I I just want your opinion on like, um, like Islamophobia and how like I don't know. I I just wonder if when you were a kid, yeah. if it was different to say in the last ten years, because oh, I feel yeah. like for whatever reason in the last ten years, that's become more well, hectic. It, hasn't yeah, it? no one gave a shit about like being Muslim back before nine eleven. So the last twenty years, it's yeah, just twenty years that's now. Crazy. That's crazy. That's so old. weird. Yeah, but yeah, before nine eleven, we were just like. People didn't care about the Muslim. The Muslim thing was just like, what? Oh, you do weird stuff. Like you were picked on, or you, you know, you were identifiably brown or South Asian or whatever the hell. No one really. Cared. It was probably more like um, anti-Semitism. I reckon being Jewish was probably a thing. Mm. Like that was probably it was probably more, or probably maybe being Sikh. I, I just think being Muslim wasn't really. I don't. I don't remember it being a thing until yeah, nine eleven. I remember like the day after nine eleven, even at school. Um, I had a bit of a big falling out with one of my really, really good friends who we, we, we made up. Um, but yeah, he um, made lots of jokes about Saddam. <laughs> this is back when Saddam. <laughs> he was like, it's probably your uncle Saddam. And then it just became this full-on thing. And that was the first time I've ever... And I was, you know, it was pretty full-on what had happened. And I, was, we, I got really upset about it. And it just kept escalating. And um, yeah, it was like a friendship group. Was, but yeah, before then, never, never anything Muslim related. It was just always like, you look like you come from the toilet and all that sort of, yeah, and I have yeah. funny comebacks for that. Just like, um, just the classic stuff about skin color. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, being, so, but, but, but then like, but then after 9-11, like we, Muslims became like, um, uh, pol- like identified as a politically motivated group. So the racism was very different because at least if you if you just people people racist about you because of the way you look it's just like oh you're weird and different and less than us whereas if you're but islamophobia people look at you with either fear or opposition like yeah, you're out to get us you yeah, hate us yeah. and a lot of it yes it is misinformation just media hysteria p- political fear mongering all that sort of stuff but um but it's a very different type of racism like when you're picked on for being brown you don't need to have to explain yourself yeah. you just have to hope that they get over it and pick on someone else or, yeah 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 but when you're like people are like you're muslim you hate are you muslim or australian or are you a terrorist you, all, you have to basically prove that you're a nice person yeah um and that no no and then you suddenly have to explain parts of your faith you're probably still learning about it, don't even know about yeah, um, yeah you have to suddenly talk about global politics and i don't know shit about you know and kids have to explain why their mum wears a hijab or why they're just everything like yeah. and you know you're a kid you just want to be a kid yeah um, so yeah, it was very, it was very, um, that, that, yeah, it was a di- very, and the clever thing that racists do is they go, oh, you can't be racist against a Muslim because 
Islam is not a race. It's a classic. <laughs> which, is, classic. which is a great loophole. Yeah. Um, but, you know. <laughs> but it's like... It's like, okay, like no, no, it's so annoying. It's one of the most annoying. But if you say that you're probably a racist, you know, that's just... I just reckon it's a big overlap. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a circle. That Venn diagram is an absolute circle. Yeah. It's only, yeah, it's only racist people that say that. Yeah, I am... Um, yeah, I've worked with kids in the past and um, it's, it's, I think it's so sweet. Sometimes I, as a classic question, I ask kids um, what their favorite color is yeah. and often some of the like Northern African kids yeah. who I've worked with and stuff, they say black and I say, why, why is it black? And they go, because my skin's black, my mum's skin's black, oh, my dad's sick. skin black. And I just think like, what <laughs> cool parenting, like what great, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Because I just feel like... I don't know. It's so cool. But They're you, so you correct proud. Go, well, actually, black's not a color. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shade. <laughs> shade. Incorrect. Yeah, choose a real color. <laughs> like Caucasian. Caucasian. A pure color. Pink. Yeah, pink. Yeah. yeah. Red. <laughs> red. <laughs> Burnt no, red I, skin. I, I'm always like, you know, I think that's pretty cool. Especially, you know, I know people are like, it doesn't matter. Like, But even like in our dolls and our flesh color is brown and black and white and you know yellow or whatever different there's i think that's nice that like kids can now you know there's at least things around them that can help them feel that sort of pride in their own skin and 100 um, yeah it's important yeah. even just you know people go oh, it's a bit of tokenism seeing people of color on television or just doing well but i guess growing up like we all want to see people that kind of look like us or share an identity with us doing well in the for sure so, yeah i always think with that thing I actually, yeah, I do think it's tokenism sometimes. Mm. And I do think that like TV people and whatever, mm. whoever are ticking boxes. But when mm. you think about it from a kid's perspective, mm. it's like, it's so important. Yeah, they don't know, like, they don't know that. They don't know about the boxes that are being ticked. They just see someone that looks kind of like them or their mum or exactly. their dad. And they're like, oh, that's sick. Yeah. They don't yeah. know that like, yeah, that they're, they're watching SBS. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. like, just imagine if like, if, you know, if like boards never had, were forced to put women on on, yeah, you know, the companies wouldn't ever. They just wouldn't. Yeah, it's sort of like you got to do tokenism first. Yeah, but. you can't hope that a racist comes to their senses yeah. or a sexist is just like you know what. You know what? Yeah, I think it's about time we. I I, I don't let one of my mates have a position on this board. You know, you yeah, 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 them. yeah, exactly. So I think yeah, tokenism is important. Whatever. You know. Why'd you get into comedy and how? Oh, because I don't even. Oh, how did I get into comedy? It was like a. It was a. Uh, you know, I, I always used to talk. Or, I used to do a lot of community stuff and, you know, so th my audience was the community just at, at Muslim quiz nights or like when the projector would break down and like, Nazim, Nazim, quick, quick, just get up there and just talk. So I just get up on the front of the community, like whatever community event, make fun of people in the crowd, pick on the bald uncle and, the, and then like later get told off that that's apparently really inappropriate. So I sort of like, you should just be the, the, the Muslim clown. And, you know, um, I was just, just how I kind of used to, I remember them, there's this group from America called Allah Made Me Funny. They're a Muslim stand-up comedy trio. First time I've ever heard Muslim stand-ups and they were hilarious. So, you know, they'd done comedy clubs growing up and they were really, really good. And so they came to Australia and um, they were like, oh, who's the local Muslim comedian to open for us? And then I don't know who said me and, and, and they were like, oh, it's Nazim. And then so I was like, oh, okay. And I never really considered myself a stand-up at that point. I didn't even really know what it was, to be honest, except that I'd listened to a bunch of, you know, Eddie, Eddie Murphy. I was going to say, Eddie McGuire. <laughs> 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 but, 
But uh, yeah, like so I, I just remember like so they performed at the Princess Theater. What's the big one here in the city? Yeah, like, fuck. Fifteen hundred or whatever. Yeah, How yeah, many people yeah. was it? It was packed. And um, I didn't even I, you know, yeah, I w- was just winging it before, and I was w- I winged it on the night, and you know the audience laughed. and said the same few stories that I'd probably said a few times. And anyway, afterwards the three really really established comedians from America they were like hey that was really um, that's really good man yeah. you've definitely got some huh? did you know that you stand up is like a writing intensive sort of process like do you write your I was like writing yeah you just tell your story <laughs> and I'm like oh yeah you gotta craft it and then they they sort of sort of mentored me wow. into like yeah understand that stand up is something that you gotta work at and on and you write and you think about it and it's callbacks and this and that yeah yeah so I remember one of them this guy Preacher Moss he's much older uh, African-American guy, he was like, um, he. I remember I asked him in his hotel room before the next gig, which was in another city, another big theatre. So you you toured with them all yeah, around, around the country? Show. Yeah, yeah, like Fuck, huge theatres. That's theaters. cool, that um, It was really cool. He, he, uh, I was like, so oh, can you help me with um, th- this bit, this story that I was going to tell? And then uh, I think I just wanted to get into the detail of the bit, but then he just pressed play on this jazz CD, um, I think it must have been at the time, and this is like 2005, and um, and then this jazz music started playing. He sort of started clicking. It felt like I was in a movie. Like he just goes, comedy is like jazz. And then he just started like, <laughs> there's a rhythm and there's a there's a beat. You gotta hear it. Do you hear it? And I was like, uh, yeah, 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 I hear it. And I was just lost in this weird. I didn't know what I took away from it, but I just remember. Oh my that god, that's so funny. It was cool. I- Oh, that's really cool. People say all sorts of shit like that. Like, um, I've heard that it's like surfing. Like, you like catch a wave and like you ride the wave with the raft. But to be, okay, I kind of, you kind of get it now. Like, oh yeah, sometimes, you know, like if you've got momentum, yeah, the bits that, the bits work better. Like you got to- For sure. But if, yeah, if you're having a shit gig, the gig's just shit. And apparently like, uh- I don't know. I'm sure no one's fucking written a PhD on this. I don't know how they've got their evidence. But I've heard yeah. that musicians who then get into comedy are like a lot better at like picking up the timing oh, really? earlier. Yeah, because they've just learnt about timing from music. I which is sort of what this guy ways. was getting at with yeah, the jazz yeah. thing. No, it's kind of... It is, and he's gone on to like do a special with a jazz band behind him. And it's actually really Whoa, nice to listen to. It's kind of jazz. Cool. And, yeah, it's beautiful. Really... Um, it was really nice, and like the whole, it just looked like a jazz club, and you know, it was really pretty nice. Yeah. But um, you can do that stuff in America, I guess, more than. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how that. Yeah, it hasn't really. He didn't really give me any punchlines or or tags. At the time. <laughs> yeah, just put some jazz on every time you want to write something. <laughs> Did those gigs like? So the first one went well. Yeah. Well, um, they all went really well, and I think the more I started to think about it, the more. I didn't do so well, but you know how that's kind of how it goes, you know, like for sure. Um, but actually, I remember like I kind of because one of the other things that they said was they go in America, like I guess kind of like jazz, it's a similar tradition, you know, like jazz is not about it's not about the art of becoming famous or what it's like you've got to do your time and you just and it's and you sort of learn from the, the greats and you, you got to be humble, keep your head down. I think we stand up, they go and he was describing as in America, they go. Like how old are you? And 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 you basically how many years you've done stand up is how old you are. So if you're right. like, oh, I've done ten years, oh, so you're ten years old. You're you're just a kid. Like you've got to become an adult in comedy before you kind of find your voice or something. Yeah, yeah. And so I think yeah, jazz and comedy have a similar tradition like that. But yeah, so I think to be honest, I feel like yeah, the longer you do comedy, the more you realize how much you don't know. And it is one of those things. I agree. We're, we're pretty lucky doing comedy and not like music or most music because I think um. 
you know, the, the longer you do comedy, the better you get. And I think the more interesting you are. Which I think like comedy, like, you know, if you're a muso, if you're a rock star, you know, no one wants a six-year-old rock guy. Yeah, yeah. Unless you've already made it when you're 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, whereas you want, a, you want a broken old man comedian. For sure. And the more fucked up things that have happened in your life, yeah. the better your comedy gets. Yeah. <laughs> like, I sort of think, I'm like, I think about some of the, you know, my old routines. When I, like, and the dumb confidence of like a younger person, you're just like, whoa, whoa, what were you saying all those views back then? You mm. don't know shit. Yeah. I don't know shit now. But at least I, I'm a bit more aware of it. I'm sure in 10 years, I'll be like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember you yeah. on that podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking about Eddie Maguire being a comedian. <laughs> oh my God. That's nice, isn't it, that he's gone? Let's just quickly... Oh yeah, yeah. he's gone. He's, I mean, I, someone was saying, well, it's probably he's probably going to enter politics. And I reckon, the thing is, he's <sighs> gone from the club, but I reckon he's probably galvanized his supporter base. That's true. Because like, People that don't think he's racist and love him will always love him and they'll love him more because he has to leave like this. Totally, yeah. It's like you yeah. make a martyr out of him. Yeah, so he's energized his base. Yeah. So now, that's why I reckon Daniel Andrews had to like comment on him because he's, you know, he's Mr. Melbourne, this guy. Yeah, you know, exactly. Boy. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, imagine if he decided to run for Labor and, he, and, and Dan Andrews made an enemy out of him. Like, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. And that is why politics is so fucked up because it's all so... You can't really. You can yeah, never yeah. be fully. Yeah, you never fully real. Yeah, yeah. You gotta like be careful who you upset and yeah, shit people have on you and all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's like that's why it's more fun not being in politics because you can just hang shit on anybody and everyone. But yeah. then if you do, then you can never enter politics because they're like, I don't yeah, know you, you, you said you. this thing mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> on that podcast. <laughs> I know, exactly. Oh, I can. I am never entering politics ever. Like, I actually remember one time I was doing the rounds for Orange is New Brown and I had to do, I just remember, you know, they, you sort of get like a bunch of press things and one of them was Eddie Maguire's breakfast show and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> and then I remember going, crap, what if I tweet it? And I Googled my name in Eddie Maguire Twitter and then, because I, I don't know how to search Twitter and then I found these tweets from Eddie Maguire. I was like, oh no, I deleted them. I deleted one. And I was like, so were, you, were they really like, were well, you they like, just really going fuck out. Eddie? I, yeah, like, well, fuck Eddie. And like, I still believed, I think I deleted one, I kept one because I was like, oh, I can stand behind that. Um, but I think one of them was like definitely like full personal thing. The yeah, other one yeah. was personal, but like it was a bit more about what he said. Um, but then um, I did his show. I was in, so was, he was on Zoom or, or Skype back then, and it was and it was the other guy and Will Anderson. Yeah, um, yeah, Luke Darcy and yeah, Will Anderson, maybe. And, the, and, and the, yeah, one of those. And, yeah. then, and apparently afterwards, he liked me so much that he then inquired about me getting on the footy show <laughs> I was like oh my god this guy like I, I was confl- I felt conflicted I was like oh no like um alright would you ever would you ever do the footy show and I'll put a little caveat in this question um it's not there anymore yeah I know but if it was <laughs> would you do it and the reason I asked that is because someone once said to me mm. if you want to do comedy that actually um has an impact on the world mm. you can't just do like a TV show on the ABC or SBS and that like has all these views that are about, you know, whatever, racism being bad and whatever. You actually have to infiltrate the footy show, etc., and then slowly slide in your opinions into places like that. Where would you stand on that? Oh, that's not my personality, so I couldn't do that. But I think there's definitely a place for for good people everywhere. But I think um, you've got to, like, if, if you are not that person that can just laugh along you gotta, you got to laugh along with a lot of stuff to be able to slip in your, your yeah, little bits and pieces. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if... 
Look, I'm sure it requires defeating bad things requires people doing all sorts of things in different places. You know, you need good politicians, you need good bankers, and good everybody. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think I could do. I don't think I could do the good guy in a pretty dodgy place in the footy show. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't do it. I yeah. just feel like I just hate, probably hate myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I always feel a bit icky when I laugh along with people that I shouldn't. You know, I'm just like, ah, oh, uh, yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, you know that goes. Yeah. Just, you're just like in a room with. Yeah. That's because I don't have the thing that my dad has where he'll just like stop and be like, yeah. why is that funny? Yeah, I yeah. I am so guilty of that. I'm a fucking coward. I no, just laugh. We're, it's because we're comedians and sometimes, some, you know, you get in a mood. Sometimes you do. Like, you know, but often if it's just like people that are really nice to you and, but they're sort of saying off-color stuff, you just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I should have said a lot of things then. What about, when you did I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, yeah, were you on? Were I was you just on? Price. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, but that was actually so in that in Is, that sort of context. Like, um, I, what I really appreciated about Steve was that he was all out with his opinions, and then so that and, and I was too. We were both able to just actually. There's no pretending there. Yeah. So we got to um, properly spar often. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I I find it difficult to also divorce the politics from the personal. So like, because. Politics isn't just like this abstract thing. Oh, this is what I believe, but I am not that. Like, mm. I am my beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody is. That's kind of how I view it. So that's why I find it really challenging when you meet someone whose politics is is whack, but they are a nice person. I find it difficult to marry the two. Like, yeah. I did Q&A a long, long time ago, and I was on with um, Lindsay Tanner, who was in the Labour Party, and Malcolm Turnbull. And I remember I was going on Malcolm Turnbull a lot. We were just arguing about Osama Bin Laden dying or whatever. And... Um, not arguing about it, but it was, it was after he'd done. And then afterwards, Lindsay and Malcolm, and Lindsay and Malcolm were going at each other a lot, the opposite parties, whatever. Or not really, but you know. Yeah, yeah. But then afterwards, they were just like buddies. And I was yeah. like, how are you like buddies? I know it's like, oh, that's business and now it's after hours. But if you actually believe the things that you say and you dislike the thing that the other guy is saying, shouldn't you be really upset at him yeah. for pushing a view that's harmful yeah. to people yeah. like why are you just being friendly that's with him a, yeah that's but, what's but, so shit is they don't actually care I don't think yeah I don't think they care but then also then people are like, yeah but you kind of like you kind of have to yeah I don't know you have to talk to people that you don't agree with so this so Steve well, yeah, is the it's only like they get person worn that down. I've yeah yeah but I've never I don't, I've never really like spent a lot of time with someone that I deeply mm. disagree with but Steve's the literally my one exception I believe there's probably others people probably going to remind me of other people that have become friends. <laughs> but you know like he is quite conservative but there's something about having to live with someone and you almost have to become a family that forces you to see this sounds so cheesy but you have to see them as like a person and especially when he starts talking about his family and his kids and you, you, you know you can't you can't butt soften did and, you ever um, I didn't watch it did mm. you ever like change his mind about anything or did he change your mind about anything or was it just like loggerheads Look, the whole I, time I, I I think he well I don't want to speak for him but I think he definitely he says he, he said like he was changed from that experience but um, I, I don't think I adopted any of his views I think he definitely started to understand Muslims and like being not white in Australia a little bit more um, and um I definitely kind of understand. Like what I understood, what I took away from my my time with him was that he has like a deep love for Australia and wants good for people. It doesn't come from like his. A lot of his views, I probably characterized in my head before that as being just like, like he just wanted 
like he was just selfish or like not him but like those views just self-centered and he just cares about being from his class or group of people yeah whereas actually like he also wants the best for people and cares about people so that's what that was a that was a tricky thing i was like all right so he also that's weird you know that's the thing so it's kind of how do you you know yeah you, you know basically you argue with someone because you're like yeah deep down you're just a selfish freaking prick that cares about being rich and and being white and blah, blah, blah. but if they actually want a safe country it's good for their family and they do love multiculturalism but like the but multiculturalism is bad because it creates groups and divisions and they want a united blah 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 you know and my view on that is different but it comes from the same place I just want everybody to get along and have a good life yeah it's kind of it's you know that's when it's like oh I have to agree to disagree that's the first and only time I've ever had to go you know uh, I don't agree with you but I'll disagree with you and sleep yeah, next to yeah. you freaking yeah um so anyway yeah i it is it is hard i i completely understand what you mean but i i don't know i i maybe because i haven't hung out with someone like that for a long time like you Mm. did but i still think it's a cop out i still Mm. think Mm. i completely get what you're saying Mm -hmm. but i still think there's an element of no that is racist (laughs) yeah that is like deep at its core there's something racist about that or something Mm. misanthropic or Mm something like mm. that's not yeah, it's I, not all for the good they, no, it also, can't be it can't I, I, be I also think like if you're a media person in like that in that right wing whatever industry you sort of have to like play a particular character as well mm. and I think that he actually isn't the character that he plays publicly because you know we had these great conversations and I felt like he genuinely was changed and he, I think he still is but then he has to kind of slip into that role so he had I couldn't listen to his show because he'd have Pauline Hanson on like the week after we were in there this is what the, yeah this is what because I, I didn't see but I knew that you were having these conversations with him and I think I read an article about how he had changed a lot and then I remember like two weeks later yeah. he was on the project saying stuff that I would <laughs> define as racist yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like what the fuck like, yeah, yeah. but the, the, you know like, I'm not this is again not um, not defending him or his views but he recently said uh, in relation to changing the date that we should change the date and I was like whoa like, this is a huge he's a freaking full-on conservative guy people call him a shock jock whatever and he's now saying that we should change that i'm fed up with people not but with it being a debate whatever his reason is he's now on board with changing right. the date right um not that that's necessarily a good idea either you know should abolish the date. um mm. but um you know so yeah it's sort of i mean interesting yeah how, i don't know you are we're all social it's beings confusing so we just you're influenced that's by who true. you hang around with that's true absolutely and he's on the yeah. left wing Channel 10. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, But yeah, no one's genuine and that's what really pisses me off. And your thing about Malcolm Turnbull and the other person on Mm. Q&A, that it reminds me of this episode of Q&A that I watched where... It was there was a Labour politician and a Liberal politician and then a few other people and a questioner asked... A refugee had just lit themselves on fire or something. Mm. And a a question got asked by this person about refugees and they mentioned this person lighting themselves on fire. Or it might have been something else. I can't remember what it was, whether it was maybe a refugee kid cutting their wrists. It was something really horrible. Mm. 
And then the next 10 minutes was just the Labour politician being like, yeah, you know, the Liberal Party's like, they, they've got blood on their hands. And then the Liberal person was like, yeah, well, it was actually the Labour Party that started mm. this whole thing. And it just went back and forth, just mm. talking about their party. Like, it's Labour's fault, it's Liberal's fault. And then one of the other panellists was like, neither of you have even mentioned mm. the fucking guy mm. killing himself mm. or whatever it was. Mm. Like, you're, you're not talking about this with any empathy. Mm. It's like... You're discussing people's lives, mm. and all you want to do is—it's mm. just so frustrating. Yeah, right. I think that's the thing. Like politicians, probably on the one hand, like advocate for these pretty horrible, inhumane positions, but then when like they're faced with the result of their policies, and they—you know—they probably are human and have to have to defend themselves and like i didn't kill him you yeah, killed him yeah 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 well, it's just kind of like when these when the sas were just found well have they been found guilty well they've committed all these horrible acts in yeah. afghanistan and the government hasn't even really spoken about how horrible that is and 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 and, and spoken empathetically at yeah. all about the victims or their families they've just spoken about just the SAS and whether they should be stripped of medals and yeah, like the fault. nuts and bolts of yeah. it. Like, so, oh yeah, yeah, that happened. But yeah. who's at fault? Like, yeah. no, why don't you actually it's just, like say something real. Yeah, like shed a tear shed for a tear these like, people. You know, we just kill. You've just our government and our army has killed people, and you're like, oh, who's at fault? Well, no one's at fault. Should we give them the medal or take away a medal? You've just killed families. Yeah. You yeah. freaking absolute yeah sociopath. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is really sociopathic. Um. I always ask guests to recommend an artist at the end of the episode, like okay. a, yep. um, it could be a comedian or a band or mm. a writer or anything. Mm. Comedian, band, writer. Um, uh, yeah, hit I'll, me. I want to recommend um, a, all right, he's a friend. He's a really good friend. But he's actually, <laughs> I was feeling, but he's actually really talented <laughs> and he's really talented. He's probably one of, if not my most talented friend. Um, his name is Pat Marks. Pataphysics um, is his stage name. He's a hip hop artist. He plays trumpet. He plays all sorts of music. He writes amazing music. He's, um, he's, uh, he raps really well. Like his lyrics are off the, they're, they're, he's really good. Um, and he's also like a youth worker. He's Sri Lankan as well. Um, He's got one of my favorite songs. It's called "Fuck Captain Cook," <laughs> but he's really yeah, he's talented. He performs all over the place, and uh, yeah, I reckon he's he's gonna, he's gonna blow up. That's a sick recommendation. Yeah. That's really good. Get oh, out, that's Pat. perfect. Um. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to <sighs> me, Mazem. Um, Thanks, mate. Um.